Hey everybody, it's John. I'm in Austin this week at the Scientific Python Conference. So we're going to do a little bit different recording this week. Shannon actually isn't joining us, but we've got several folks from the conference and our friends from Undersampled Radio. We hope you enjoy. Ninety percent of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. All right, so uh, hey Graham, how are you? Good, how you doing? I'm not doing too bad, so we're at uh, SciPy and we're doing another crossover episode with Skype and Hangouts and Audacity and people everywhere. What could go wrong? <laughs> Welcome to the show, the, combi- the second, I believe, combined uh, undersampled radio Don't Panic Geocast podcast. Show. Yeah, so we've got uh, Matt from uh, Undersampled and Graham here, and we've also got a listener to the Geocast, Andrew, joining us today. I'm, uh, I, this is my third year attending SciPy after hearing about it on Don't Panic Geocast a few years ago. Uh, and I'm having a great time. Sweet. Have you? What, what's your favorite talk that you've seen so far? Um, I really like to talk about uh, machine learning, but but given by someone who hadn't done machine learning before, uh, which was great because I've never done machine learning before. So it helped uh, illuminate the process of figuring out the different steps and learning on the, as as she went along. That's cool. Was it a tutorial style or was it? It was a talk. Okay, tutorial. cool. So did she kind of? take you through one project that she had done? Yes, she was extracting dates from news articles where the formats wouldn't necessarily be consistent like over, over different uh, websites cool. and languages cool. and daytime formats cool. and so on. That's awesome. So are you going to um, start doing machine learning project? Um, uh, there isn't really much need for it at the moment with my work, but it helped me in case I do need to do that at some point. Awesome. What do you do for work? I work uh, at a government agency in D.C. working with uh, a lot of economic data, um, but I'm also just generally the technological glue, uh, kind of doing whatever uh, web, I mean, uh, programming stuff they need or technological stuff short of like setting up like new hardware. Uh, mm-hmm. So all sorts of things from analysis to monitoring, keeping things running smoothly. Cool. Are you doing uh, engineering work as well? Uh, or, or I am not. So I, I, am, I am not a scientist. Uh, I'm maybe, maybe I could be defined as a data scientist, but uh, hard for me to put myself in a bin, given the wide array of things I'm responsible for. Okay, so, in a bin. so now I want to know how you were listening to Don't Panic Geocast three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so I'm just, I, I had a podcast problem and I just listen to a tub and anytime <laughs> I heard about a new podcast I'd listen to that one so I think it was uh, the Orbital Mechanics maybe did a crossover yeah, we did a crossover with them. and then I found Don't Panic and I just started from episode one and enjoyed it a lot that's a lot of episodes it's a lot of episodes <laughs> what episode are you on? I think we're pushing 150 this week or next week yeah. wow this is 81 nice. for us yeah. So, um, and did you say had or have a podcast problem I missed the tense of that uh, oh, I, I had one. I've gotten a bit better lately. I've That's what I thought you said. Before. Yeah, like 30 podcasts, 40 podcasts, <laughs> two times speed was a bit ridiculous. Uh, so I've, I've culled that list quite significantly, but Don't Panic stays on the list. 
Two times speed is, is a lifesaver. I did a um, Google data engineer certification recently, and there were weeks, literally weeks worth of videos you had to watch to go through, and you just physically had to go through all the videos. Um, so 2x speed, roll it. That's nice. It's it's really nice. There's so much content out there now. That, you know, like even YouTube videos. If you're doing the uh, the new HTML player, you can speed them up. It's nice. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I can't I can't do two times. I sort of seem to max out at like 1.5, maybe 1.75, depending on who it is. <laughs> I have so. to ramp up. So I start I start at one, and then I go up a quarter. You know, and like okay. when I'm really focused on the material. I'm at two, and I'm just jamming, and then. <laughs> And then as I get towards the end, I kind of ramp it back. You know? Yeah. The problem I, is if so, if someone interrupts you at 2x, you know, like, hey, did you see that email? You know, oh, no, where am I? <laughs> I just missed an hour of material. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find yourself now starting to talk really quickly to people because you just assume they want to listen to everything you say at two times speed? <laughs> it's like, come on, guys, let's move this along. Like, I've got stuff to do here. i got 40 points to listen to. I, I was actually a little concerned when I first introduced myself to John that... Uh, I wouldn't know how to talk to him because I would be—I I would expect him to be talking twice as fast. <laughs> it turns out it was fine. Right. That's that's funny. Yeah, I think they should also let you keep the pitch. Like, don't like have the pitch shift or not the pitch shift because yeah. I think it could be quite yeah. amusing to listen to it at uh, mm -hmm. just two x. So we've threatened before to uh, when I edit our show, I often do it at pretty close to two x. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Which makes it hard to catch some of the breaks that I try to get out some of the dead time. Uh, but I've threatened, you know, like an April Fool's release where we just release the show at 2X. <laughs> so the people that are playing it in 2X have no idea what's going on. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. That's quite so, a nice uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all hanging out at SciPy, except for, for Matt, who's on a screen down at the end of the table. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I'm sort of, uh, you know, there by proxy now, at least. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Graham, I'm really curious what uh, you've heard at SciPy that's got you excited this year so far. Um, lightning talks. Yes. Lightning talks have been so awesome. Yeah. So, uh, this is day two of talks, and it is uh, day one of talks for me was a bit light. I was not super impressed with the talks that I saw, but the lightning talks were amazing. It was uh, an hour of lightning talks, so like 10 or 12 or yeah. so? Yeah. So my favorite one was VX. Have you guys used this? No. I, uh, I did, Matt, have you used it? What, what is it? VX, V-A-E-X. No. It is out of core pandas. Oh, uh, okay. So this lightning talk, so in case you don't know, like I didn't, lightning talks are five minutes at SciPy. And so this guy gets up there and just starts writing a bunch of stuff in a notebook uh, and he's like showing uh, you know like LS outputs and he has like a I don't remember what it was 64 gigabyte data raw piece of data and he's just he just starts doing regular pandas like import you know like read CSV boom and he's just like doing manipulations data aggregation even visualization on this uh, 64 gigabyte file which was pretty sweet. It's all pandas-like syntax. Yeah, I, lo I love how some of the lightning talks are, um, they're, they're, they're basically the sort of thing that most people would devote maybe even two full talks to. You know, like it's like a major product announcement, or well not product, but you know, new tool announcement or some kind of big thing. 
and people are just like, no, I can do that in four minutes and 50 seconds. It's highly efficient. I love it. Well, and we even had one yesterday where the person said, you know, I just found out I'm giving this about an hour ago, so I have no slides. Here we go. And awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did a great job. But I haven't seen any this year yet that are of the the goofy variety that we've had in past years of, you know, like the waffle talk or the machine learning on what makes a good burrito from last year. Uh, but I'm sure that's coming. We've still got two more days to go. Uh, I met someone... So just to give you a little preview, I met someone today who said he's giving a lightning talk on uh, a transpiler he wrote so you can code, uh, I forget which language, maybe it, was Python, it would make sense if it was Python, without using the letter E. Oh, Jonathan Helmus, yeah, yeah. Well, thank goodness, I'm, finally someone got to that. Um, <laughs> are any of you guys planning a, a lightning talk? They're, pat they're full. They're full. Yeah, they're totally full. So for the last two years, I've got one that I, I would love to have given. Uh, but if you get to the board like five minutes after they put the sheets up, it's all gone. Oh, wow. So they, they put the sheets up like at the beginning of the first day, and then that's it for three days? Yes, that's it for three days. They really, wow. I think they, they're going to have to go to a day-by-day. -day no, they just thing. need more lightning talk time. Or more lightning talk time, yeah. yeah. I, 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 Do the, I that was basically the whole conference at 2X. Right. <laughs> So I mean, the one I really want to give is uh, hardware isn't scary, talking about talking to hardware with Python, uh, with the end result being you take one of those little $10 uh, drones that you can buy off Amazon, uh, hook it up with a joystick, like a flight simulator joystick, and use Python and Pygame to fly the drone hardware with the joystick. Yeah. That's uh, nice. Hey. Justin just showed up. It's Justin. Yeah, do it. Uh, you won't be able to hear Matt unless we do something clever. Yeah, I can hear you, though. I can hear him, though. I guess I can't say I He's, can hear Matt you. is saying that, here, hold on, let me give you a headphone. <laughs> he could just tune into the live thing on... Oh, that's true. On the Hangouts YouTube. With, there would be... By the magic of the internet. Video. Can you hear him? Yeah. Good. What's happening at SciPy for you, Justin? Um... I just saw a, uh, a uh, very cool talk by um, uh, um, Virginia at um, Fatbox. Yeah. I'm at um, um, identifying um, buildings and roads and like um, and like um, satellite um, imagery. And aerial as well, or just satellite? Uh, both, yeah. Cool. And so, like, um, there's pot potentially some like um, um, applications to like um, uh, photographs uh, taken by uh, like um, astronauts in space because like we know um, like, approximately where they were when they took the photo, but we don't know what the photo. Um, it's like um, um, taking a uh, picture of, mm -hmm. or like uh, what the um, coordinates of the photo are. But if you were able to um, identify roads right, you could probably work work backwards to find the uh, coordinates hmm. of that uh, photograph. That's pretty interesting. I wonder. 
what's the degeneracy of street patterns across locations? Yeah, so like I mean, there's it's all grids. There's yeah, a problem. bunch of different things I can uh, think of of why it probably wouldn't work very well, but it's kind of like the first thing I've seen that kind of like is like working in that general direction that seems like it like works well for some problems in the space. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's fascinating how many problems there are with reconciling different geospatial data sets, you know, of things taken from different angles or with different representations of the Earth. And people are just realizing that the easiest way to reconcile them is just with deep learning <laughs> rather than trying to, like, you know, figure out how to line things up and use um, sort of first principles. You can actually just sort of let the machine figure it out. Like, to be, there's been some chat recently about making sort of landscape photographic style ground level views out of uh, out of satellite photographs, and then people were speculating on Swung about make uh, finding outcrops that way. You know, finding places where there's geological outcrops. And it's, I love that. There's a there's a company here called Descartes Labs, and uh, I don't know if you guys have talked to them, but I, I had never heard of them, but they're just basically doing analysis of, of satellite imagery, boutique analysis on a per customer basis. I assume, so they, they don't acquire the data, I assume they buy it from Planet Labs or something, um, but they're, they're doing things like predicting crop yields uh, for hedge funds and stuff. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's, that's, it would be a sweet gig, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that'd be pretty interesting. Thing. I'm sure they buy some from Planet, but probably also some from some of the other commercial satellite providers, because I'm assuming they're doing some hyperspectral things that Planet Fleet doesn't do yet. Yeah. That's actually somebody I haven't seen a lot here at the conference this year, is folks from Planet. I'm sure there are a few floating around, but it seemed like last year there were quite, quite a few. Hmm. Well, maybe they're like me, and they just sort of got... I, I feel like I got this saturation point with SciPy, and it's like, I can't, I can't do this every year. <laughs> It's, my, my, my life is already characterized by each day filling a sheet with lists of things to do and managing to tick off three things from another list of things to do. So this is sort of exponential. But I mean, SciPy is just off the scale. It's like yeah. 40 pages out of your notebook. That, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's awesome, but um, yeah. But I do kind of wish I was there. What, what, one of the things I, I did last time I was at SciPy was a buzzword bingo because there were so many amusing uh, buzzwords around. What, 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 do you, what keeps popping up over and over again this year? Is out of core a big thing or is VAEX just yeah. one of them? There's been, there's been a lot of talk about parallelism, yeah. distributed tasks. We were introduced to a new, or new to me library yesterday called Ray. Mm -hmm. which is sort of a competitor. Oh, this guy claims it's not a competitor to Dask, but it seems... It seems directly... I, I, maybe I just don't know enough, Dask. but it seems yeah. like the exact same thing as Dask. It's yeah. Ray, you said? Yeah. R-A-Y. Hmm. Get out that notebook. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of Bayesian yeah. talks this year. Yeah. Looking into Bayesian statistics. And there's even a tutorial that, I, that Andrew went to on Bayes. I did, I did. The first half was really good. I think it was like the third or fourth time I tried to understand Bayesian statistics, and I think I'm almost there. Uh, the second half got awfully difficult because they were doing real-world application and analyses, and 
I always kind of peter off after like the first two hours, but uh, <laughs> it, I, it was very informative and it was, it was enjoyable. The four-hour tutorial format is, is, is pretty intense. Very intense. It's very, very condensed. And I actually found out, I was talking to one of the instructors for that tutorial last night, Hugo from Datacamp, who he also has a podcast that he does through Datacamp. Oh, really? Yeah, so there are several, uh, several podcasters floating around here. It's nice. It's pretty fun. And, you know, we had, uh, for the first time ever, I think, at SciPy, we had an actual swung meetup. Sort of. Uh, we did days ago, so that was great. Graham uh, put that together for us. Nice. There's even a an artist there who sketched our dinner table. Yeah, who who did that sketch? Some rando off the street. Oh, seriously? It was very nice. It was very nice of him. Yeah, we were sitting in a corner of a restaurant, and both of the walls that our backs were to were glass, looking right out onto Sixth Street, and some artist was out there and just started sketching us. And was showing us his progress through the window intermittently. And then at the end, came in and gave us the painting. It gave us the sketch. It was really nice. Yeah, neat. Yeah, it was really, uh, really great to see. Um, that's the first time. Yeah, I guess I feel like I, I, I think I met you, John, for the first time at SciPy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's the first time I met Leo Uyeda and also um, Joe uh, Kington. Yep. And possibly even, I think I'd met Rowan, Rowan Cockett before. Maybe. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome place to meet up. Yeah. Yeah, and last night we uh, bumped into some folks from one of the industry corporations out in the Denver area. So we were chatting with them at, at dinner. There's a good geo presence here this year. It keeps getting larger and larger and larger. Okay, that's great to hear. Is there a, a separate geoscience track again this year? There is, and it was standing slash sitting slash in the hallway room only. Oh, wow. It was really packed. Yeah. There's, a lot of the sessions have been slammed. I wonder if they need a bigger venue or well, just bigger rooms in this venue. So if you can believe this, Matt, the, uh, the conference, I think last time you were here was three years ago, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably roughly 600 people, 550. That's right. Then uh, it's over 800 this year. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was talking to Jill from InThought, and she said that they underestimated, including them extrapolating the growth rate, they underestimated signups by quite a bit. Yeah, that's, so that's great. And, um, and it sounds like all the buzz is still there. Are there sprints again this weekend? Yep. Yeah, is there is are you guys planning anything geo wise for the weekend? I'm gonna be here for the weekend. I have not decided what I'm gonna sprint on. So, uh, it, are you gonna be around this weekend, Graham? I'll be around. I don't know what sprints. I don't know what that means really, but uh, I'm excited. It's uh, a, they have a bunch of rooms open. Everybody can sit around. They provide lots of caffeine and lots of Swedish fish and gummy bears and jelly beans, <laughs> and it's two days to code. In thought buys everybody pizza and bowling. Awesome. I think the end of the first night. Yeah, it's it's great fun. Awesome. Yeah. Did you, have we, you? Yeah, we did. We did a kind of geophysics sprintlet. Yeah, we we tried one one year. There was just a few of us. Yeah. Uh, and I think we were working on. It was your logging strip log. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. and it's you know it it lasted, and then the following year, um, a few of us worked on 
Bruges and we basically rebuilt Bruges and yeah it was and that was just for the Saturday I think both times we just did the Saturday have you ever done a Metpie sprint there we did a Metpie sprint last year okay uh, we had a pretty large gathering of the people that directly used Metpie last year uh, unfortunately, due to conference timing, a bunch of them are not here this year. They just got back from Japan from a lightning conference. Hmm. So I don't know if we have critical mass to do a Metai sprint this year. I assume a lightning conference is not like a one-hour conference. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a normal conference, just at three times speed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'll, uh, I'm excited to see what we can cook up this weekend in terms of... Uh, Sprinting, but there's still a lot of conference to go before that. We're all going to be pretty tired. I was just pulling up the uh, schedule for this afternoon. I'll, I'll, Matt, I'll give you a, a breakdown of some of the talks that are going on. Uh, performing dimension reduction at scale with applications to public sentiment models. That's cool. Oh, Matt's favorite, reproducibility and software sustainability. N Jupyter Notebook-driven development with Python Interactive. Is there there's still a lot of science. notebook stuff going on? Because the Jupiter guys are always there in force. I assume it's still a big thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, lots of lots of notebooks, lots of excitement. It's Jupiter Lab. Mm -hmm. um, Ju Ju Jupiter Lab two um, is like um, uh, like uh, that was like a de um, demo to like um, with like us. Uh, Uber uh, computers a uh, couple of times as well, which is kind of hmm. fun to see. Yeah, that, that is cool. Do you, has the has the, the balance kind of flipped over to Jupyter Lab yet, or are pe most people just sort of anecdotally are most people still in Jupyter Notebook? I don't have a great feel for that. I, this is an atypical audience, of course, so I would say that a lot of people here are running Jupyter Lab. I think in the out in the wild mm. users, they're probably still most people using notebooks. Mm. Uh, there are a few things that Jupyter Lab does not do or does differently that have caused some problems where we're actually still teaching with notebooks at work as well. Uh, and we taught a tutorial here this year, but it was not using Jupyter Notebooks at all. We taught a tutorial on setting up your own open source project, so how to use GitHub, and then set up Travis CI and write tests and how to automate documentation building and automate flake checks on your code base. Uh, so that was all just writing some scripts and connecting up online services. What could go wrong? But we, we were able to get about 40 people running Travis CI on their repos by the end of the tutorial. Wow. That's one that you led this year, you said? Yes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I led that with Ryan May. You know what? I saw... Uh, have you played with Cookie Cutter? I have not played with Cookie Cutter. It looks really cool. Yeah. Have you seen this, Matt? No. It's a. It's just a, a little tiny library that sets up a, just basically like a project tree for you and includes configuration and things. It's customizable, so if you're doing a lot of the same structured projects at work, you can configure it so you just instant you you just use Cookie Cutter to build a new project for you and everything's laid out the way you want and you can just start working. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I could really use a proper workflow around that. <laughs> much more haphazard <laughs> and much more kind of how did I do this before? Which project shall I shall I copy the pattern from? Yeah. And then I end up with a patchwork quilt every time. Well, not a patchwork quilt, more like a 
pile of broken bricks. Mm. <laughs> Still, you know, uh, you live and learn, right? Yeah, something we're, we're struggling with as well, of having multiple repos and yeah. you know, every time that there's something that we need to change in a configuration file, we have to go change it in all of them. So we're trying to figure out some way to more centralize that. But Cookie Cutter certainly makes it easy for a scientist that's got a small library of stuff they use. Or I think one of the examples cited during the talk yesterday was if you have a postdoc that's leaving and they have all this code, this is a good way for them to help wrap it up and hand it over. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's and there's also a, a textbook lightning talk yesterday that was really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. So taking a bunch of Jupyter notebooks and being able to compile them down to a textbook with this tool. Okay. What, what's that tool called? I don't remember what the name of it was. Uh, uh, textbooks with Jupyter is what he... I don't remember what the name of the tool was. Okay, I'll check if that you out. textbooks with Jupyter, you can find it. Yeah, we're trying to do something similar to that right now. <laughs> And it's, you know, I, I, I do like th th this sort of computable document aspect of notebooks, like that they're, in other words, that they're not just documents that contain computation, but that you can then post-process them and do things with them, either with Jupyter's tools or just by processing them yourself, because it's just JSON inside. And... Yeah, we've been, the, the tutorials that we do in the leading edge are now, as Graham's just been through this uh, process, they're, we're trying to do them so that they're just a notebook and then we can post-process it to turn it into the manuscript in a Word document, which is what, <laughs> bizarrely, the, uh, <laughs> what, what the, the uh, publication actually wants. Um, but that process is becoming a bit smoother every time we go through it and it's pretty powerful, I think. So it means you, you know can, we need to write. Hey, is a you know what we need to write is a is a, a collaboration widget for the Jupyter kernel, because the thing that I found most um, the least seamless when we were going through that process uh, of really drafting out a manuscript inside of the notebook is the lack of um, basically like highlighting like editorial syntax. Totally, yeah, um, it's brutal. Which is kind of ironic for a version control system. You know, because we're doing this through GitHub. It's right. kind of ironic that the, the version control system is not the best thing for doing version control <laughs> compared so, to Google Docs or something. So did you use like MBDime to compare versions or? No, but that's the thing uh, to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we so haven't been doing that. that. And then there's Colab or whatever it's called yeah. now. Exactly. Which, that. yeah, that that's probably also, well, that's another way we could we could go. It's tricky, right? Because a lot of the authors would like they start the conversation with which LaTeX template shall I use? <laughs> so it's like I sort of try and be a little bit sensitive to the fact that people already have workflows that they're comfortable in and writing everything in a Jupyter notebook might not be a great experience for them. What's the name of the tool you mentioned? Uh, Dime. Great. Yeah, it's a, it's a diff tool for notebooks. It's pretty pretty slick. Cool. I haven't tried it yet. One more thing on the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, boys, we're coming up on our hour, and i got to eat before uh, they run out of food. Yeah, uh, right. This was... Uh, this was great, and trying to get all of the uh, all of the setup for this was a little tricky, but I think we pulled it off. Hopefully, the audio is not terrible. 
but this is a uh, certainly a strange episode for us. Thanks for joining us on Dog Panic Geocast, and thanks for joining us on Undersampled Radio. We're out. Thanks, guys. Bye. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.